Hello, my friends. Peggy Moore here with the Discover Your Personal Power podcast. I am so excited about this week's podcast. We're going to continue to talk about investing in your biggest assets so that you can get the best returns. If you like, please leave me a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends. I would love to know what you think, and this helps me get the word out. This is episode 21, and last week I forgot to mark the milestone of 20. So yay, so exciting. This week is part two of a four-part series talking about how to invest in your greatest asset to get your greatest return. For those of you in my Discover Your Personal Power online coaching program, you know that we work on four puzzle pieces, mental health, emotional health, physical health, and social health. Each puzzle piece helps us learn more about ourselves, fine-tune our own inner voice, and create a life of peace, purpose, and power. This program has been in beta testing and is now finally open for everyone to join. Do you want to dig a little deeper and invest a little more in your mental, emotional, physical, and social health? This program is perfect for you. This program is online, so you can go at your own pace. It has 12 weeks worth of fun videos, worksheets, journal prompts, and inspirational emails sent straight to your inbox all to help you discover your personal power. So last week we talked about the puzzle piece of mental health. And this week we're talking about emotional health, the second puzzle piece. How many of you feel like you live your life based on your emotions? You feel happy so you have a good day. You feel sad so you have a bad day. You're frustrated so you snap at your loved ones. You feel hurt or afraid or fearful, so you hide. Emotions are powerful. Emotions are what drive our behavior. What if I told you that you don't have to live your life based on emotions? What if I told you that you could choose any time and at all times what kind of emotion you want to have? Just like we choose our thoughts and our beliefs we choose our emotions. Because emotions are created by thoughts, thoughts create emotions. And when we get to choose our thoughts, then we get to choose our emotions. It just might take a little more brain power. Emotions come from our limbic center in our brain. Our limbic center is in our primitive brain or our lower brain. This part of our brain that likes to react out of habit or out of emotion without running that reaction or behavior through our executive functioning part of our brain or our higher brain. Our lower primitive emotional brain reacts first because it's easier and it's faster. How many of you ever said something in anger and then later regretted it? I know I have. That is because I let my emotional primitive brain drive my behavior with emotions. But you know what? There's a better way. And that is what we're talking about today. 
first, we're going to talk about these emotions and feelings and where they're coming from and why they're so strong in driving our behavior. Then we're going to talk about strategies to use our higher brain instead to help us live the life that we want, a life of peace, purpose, and power. Emotions come straight from your brain. Did you know that emotions are basically a response to what your brain is telling your body to feel? Emotions are induced by chemicals in the brain. Your emotions are 100% created by your thoughts in your brain. If you're having an emotion and don't know why, use your logical or frontal part of your brain and be curious. Be a detective and try to figure out why. Emotions and feelings are created by neurochemicals in our brain. The thoughts in your head tell your brain to produce a chemical that creates an emotion or a feeling in your body. So feelings are really just chemicals floating around in your body. My life coach calls them vibrations. So chemicals or vibrations in your body that are controlled by your thoughts. That's all emotions are. The reason this is so important is for you to realize that feelings are normal. Your body has this incredible feedback loop that works without you even having to really do anything but think a thought. Pretty amazing, right? This can help us put our emotions and feelings better into perspective. So often when we have feelings of shame, anger, disappointment, or sadness, we want to just jump to pushing those feelings down and changing those thoughts right away. If we understand that we can choose our feelings by selecting our thoughts, we can choose to not have that feeling, change our thoughts, and move on. But I think it's important to take a minute to think about why you're having a particular feeling or a particular emotion. What are the thoughts surrounding that feeling or emotion? Sometimes we have to do a little brain work. We have to be curious to find that true sense of peace. Sometimes we just have to sit with a feeling or emotion and just feel the feeling. When we ignore unwanted feelings, we end up doing a couple of things. Either we try to numb the feelings, or we suppress the feelings, or we buffer the feelings. And although these may seem like fine coping strategies or solutions at the time, these strategies often end up causing us more pain and suffering in the long run. Many of us try to ignore or numb our emotions. The problem with that is numbing sadness and hurt and anger or pain also causes us to numb happiness and joy. Experiencing sadness, hurt, anger, or fear are what makes it so much sweeter to experience happiness, relief, and joy. All emotions are for a reason. Emotions make us feel alive. When we focus on numbing our emotions and feelings and just changing our thoughts right away, we prevent ourselves from living an authentic and meaningful life. Just repressing the feeling will not solve the problem. It may just put it in a neat little box and store it in the back of your brain. The problem with this is, this unresolved feeling can come back to haunt you when you least expect it. 
So suppressing our feelings prevents us from thriving. It prevents us from being authentic because it prevents us for being at peace and comfortable with who we are. Sometimes when we try to ignore problems or uncomfortable emotions, we buffer them. So we put a temporary band-aid over the sadness, the hurt, or the anger by having a glass of wine or some chocolate or digging into that Ben and Jerry's. Constantly trying to run from our emotions is exhausting. But there's a better way. The healthier way to deal with unpleasant or uncomfortable emotions is just to feel them and let them process. Let those chemicals or vibrations just do their thing and process them through your body. Remember how I said to just be curious about your thoughts and write them down and examine them? Well, the same is true of emotions. Sometimes we just have to sit with them and just feel them. Writing them down on paper can help you look at them more objectively and can help you process them more efficiently. Use your journal. Do you know that it's okay to feel anxious sometimes? Did you know that it's okay and perfectly normal to feel sad sometimes? So often we think that we shouldn't feel a certain way, that we choose some kind of negative coping strategy to try to eliminate all the unpleasant feelings. Why do we try to avoid some types of emotions? Besides being unpleasant or uncomfortable, there's many reasons we may seek to numb, suppress, or buffer specific emotions. We may judge ourselves for feeling an emotion. We may have thoughts telling us that feeling a certain way is a sign of weakness, or we should just suck it up and not complain. We may have thoughts in our head telling us that we should not feel sad because we're so blessed, or that we should not feel hurt because others have had things worse than us. I think we have to be careful with these thoughts. Thoughts of gratitude are extremely important to provide us with positive aspects of life, but all feelings are normal and a part of life. It's normal to have all feelings. Many of those thoughts may come from childhood or from others correcting us throughout our life. Sometimes we just need to kind of dig deep to determine these thoughts and then acknowledge whether we agree with them still or not. The best part is we get to choose. Sometimes we may worry about external judgment. Family members, friends, or partners who may respond poorly to our feelings. So we ignore them and hide them. But this causes resentment and doesn't allow for an authentic deep connection and relationship. We may also worry that if we give in to the feelings of sadness or discouragement or fear, that the feeling will never go away. But here's the thing, all feelings pass. Feeling your feelings allows you to process them and move through them in a healthier way. You can't move past it till you move through it. The most basic thing you can do to master your emotions is to make sure your physical needs are met. This may seem so simple, and it is. Just think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. 
For those of you who do not know what Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs is, it's a motivational theory comprising of five tiers of human needs, with the lowest level being the most basic of needs. And if these needs aren't met, then one can't reach other levels. So our basic physiological needs of food, water, shelter, and sleep need to be met to keep us feeling our best. Think about how you feel when you don't get enough sleep or you haven't been you've been eating unhealthy food i'm always more emotional when i'm tired and when i'm hungry making sure that our basic physiological needs are met provides us with a good foundation our modern culture doesn't help with this very much 40 percent of americans report getting less than six hours of sleep on a regular basis due to a hectic lifestyle Fast food and foods with high refined sugars are easy and quick to grab, but provide little nutritional value. And the societal expectation that you need to be attached to your cell phone at all hours means that you can never fully relax. We self-medicate with alcohol or food. Studies have shown that actually 30 percent of medications consumed in the United States are taken to manage some form of mental distress. Maintaining your physical needs such as eating healthy foods, getting an appropriate amount of sleep are like setting a firm foundation with your mental, emotional, and physical health. You're able to manage your emotions better when those basic physiological needs are met. I live in Okinawa, Japan. It is a beautiful island sandwiched in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and the East China Sea. We're currently in the middle of a Category 4 typhoon, or hurricane for those of you in the U.S. The wind is howling with gusts of 100 miles per hour and the sky is pouring buckets outside. But I am nice and safe in my house because houses on Okinawa are built with a strong foundation. They are built like bunkers with thick concrete walls to withstand the wind and storms. We need a strong foundation to not be blown over with emotions with each changing wind or storm. A strong foundation starts with meeting your most basic needs of healthy foods, appropriate sleep, activity, and rest for your soul. In Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett's book, How Emotions Are Made, She calls it our body budget. She says we have to keep our body budget in balance. We can't keep making withdrawals and withdrawals with no deposits or we'll bleed in the red. This fits perfectly with the concept that we are our greatest asset and we need to make more deposits than withdrawals. And that starts with a good foundation, good health, good sleep, good mental rest. Another thing we can learn to do is just feel those feelings. Remember, all feelings are normal and instead of trying to hold this tight control over our emotions, it's better to relax, feel the feeling, let it process, give space for your emotions as you let the feelings process, be curious and play detective. Dr. Barrett also talks about becoming emotionally intelligent. 
She says emotional intelligence is about getting your brain to construct the most useful instance of the most useful emotional concepts in a given situation. As you take the time to feel your feelings and be curious without judgment, you can learn why you react to specific situations. You can use that knowledge to your advantage. For example, I told you guys before about my feelings of inadequacy and thoughts about being not smart and fear of not being intelligent enough or smart enough. Because I've done the work, I know this about myself. I know that those feelings of inadequacy are unfounded. I'm a hard worker and I can do anything I put my mind to and be successful. I've had to do some retraining of my brain and managing of my mind. With emotions, we can learn new ways to express our emotions. Instead of always using words such as angry and happy, we can learn to pinpoint it more specifically to feelings of inadequacy or discouragement or insignificance or insecurity. As our emotional vocabulary increases, we become more emotionally intelligent and we're able to express our emotions better and process our emotions more efficiently. When you take the time to journal this week, try to see how many different words you can come up with for the word happy. Blissful, joyous, ecstatic, excited, whatever you want. Dr. Barrett says each word is another invitation to construct your experiences in new ways. Research has shown that those with a broader emotional vocabulary are more in tune with their feelings and able to manage them better. In a study done with individuals who had a fear of spiders, three groups of people were taught different strategies to overcome the emotion of fear and anxiety related to the spiders. The first group was taught to use cognitive reappraisal. The individuals described the spider in a non-threatening way. The spider is sitting in front of me. The spider won't hurt me. The spider is safe. The second technique was distraction. So they ignored the spider and pretended that it didn't even exist. The third way was to verbalize the emotions felt about the spider. In front of me is a spider. It is creepy and disgusting and crawly and a little bit intriguing. The third approach was actually the most effective in helping people with arachnophobia to be less anxious when observing a spider. This technique leads to higher emotional granularity and it can help you lead a more satisfied life. Studies have shown individuals with higher emotional granularity report better relationships and higher life satisfaction. Those with lower emotional granularity report more symptoms of depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and personality disorders. So when we're having strong emotions, instead of telling ourselves to suck it up, this feeling is not real, or trying to ignore the feelings, we can process it by exploring it and giving new names to the feeling. Another strategy to become more emotionally intelligent and understand your emotions is to really learn where your emotions show up in your body. 
Where do you feel unpleasant emotions? Do your shoulders get tense? Does your stomach get tight? Knowing and understanding how your body reacts to specific emotions increases your emotional intelligence and can help you learn how to process your emotions better. As you learn more ways to express your emotions and you use your logical higher brain to help you determine the thoughts associated with your emotions, you will be better able to manage your emotions and the behaviors associated with those emotions. Dr. Barrett gave us some great strategies for increasing our emotional granularity, but the founder of the phrase emotional intelligence, Daniel Goldman, tells us five principles individuals with strong emotional intelligence embrace. First, you think about your feelings. You invest the time and the energy and the brain power to consciously think about your emotions. You practice self-awareness and seek to recognize and understand your own emotions. Emotional intelligence is being able to appropriately express, regulate, and manage your emotions. Part of self-awareness of your emotions is assessing your own strengths and limitations. Use your journal and think about what are your emotional strengths. What are your emotional weaknesses? How do your emotions affect your thoughts and your decision-making processes? What are some influences that may drive powerful emotions in my life? I want you guys to know that I made a quick journal worksheet for this podcast. It's my very first worksheet that I made with a podcast, but you can go over to my website and download it and it will have these questions for you to do in your journal and I'll leave that in the show notes. Second from Daniel Goldman is you pause. Instead of letting your primitive brain take over and react out of reflex or habit, you take a moment to pause and incorporate your higher brain or executive functioning part of your brain and choose how you want to speak or how you want to act, keeping that in line with your values and goals. Emotional intelligence requires self-regulation, being able to use self-control and manage disruptive emotions and impulses by maintaining honesty and integrity, as well as adaptability and flexibility when it comes to change. Third, individuals with high emotional intelligence take the time to work on their brain and work on their thoughts. They invest in their greatest asset. They strive to improve themselves and commit to aligning their behaviors with their core values and goals. Individuals with high emotional intelligence know that good things need to go in for good things to come out. Here is one of my favorite stories. A Cherokee elder was teaching his young grandson about life. A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight. It is between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, self-doubt, and ego. 
The other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. This same fight is going inside you and inside every other person too. The boy thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? The elder simply replied, the one you feed. I love that story. It is in the front of my journal as I try to put the good in and feed the good wolf. If you want happiness, peace, purpose, and power, you have to put the good in to get the good out. You have to invest in your greatest asset, which is you. Fourth, Individuals with strong emotional intelligence are not afraid to be authentic. Living your life according to your core beliefs and values. Living authentically means living in a place where your actions and your words are congruent with your beliefs and values. It is not an imitation of what we think we quote should be or what someone else thinks we quote should be but showing up as your true self and having a strong sense of self and who you are. Fifth, emotional intelligence is shown in the ability to empathize with others, to see others' feelings and perspectives, and to take an active interest in others' concerns and feelings. It's cultivating diversity. It's recognizing that apologizing is okay. Emotional intelligence gives you the understanding that apologizing isn't always about who is wrong or who is right. It's about valuing your relationship more than your ego. Daniel Goldman said, Emotional intelligent people notice how others are feeling, react appropriately to others, and regulate their own emotions and with their own behavior, ensure that they don't unnecessarily offend or upset others. Remember to take some time this week to invest in your greatest asset, you. Your emotional health is just one of the puzzle pieces, but it is an important puzzle piece to invest in to help you live a life of peace, purpose, and discover your personal power. Thank you guys so much for listening. I would love to hear from you. Leave me a review on iTunes or hop over to my website and leave me a message there. I'll leave a link for the free worksheet in the show notes. And as always, my friends, until we meet again.